This is the ATM at the Minute Podcast, episode 158. Peter Mitchell here with Jackson Stover. And on today's docket, little NBA playoffs round one update for you guys. Our initial thoughts on these matchups. Then we're going on to who gets the max. You've heard us play who gets the bag. We're going to talk about <laughs> young players that are deserving of max contracts. Because there's been some dudes showing out. To start Absolutely. the playoffs here. One of them for sure is a Max candidate in Jackson's eyes. So stay tuned for that. I mean, and then, Max is literally in his name. It is quite <laughs> literally the first three letters of his last that's, name. That's going in the pod title, Maxing Maxi. And then to wrap it up, we're going to do a little NFL draft discussion on the receivers and quarterbacks. Get ready for next week. We're going to dive deeper into the NFL draft. We know. It's just 12 days away now, or less than that, nine days away. So (laughs) we got you covered. So stay with us. It's going to be a good one. Let's do it. All right, Peter, we are almost a week into the NBA playoffs at this point. And uh, yeah, I know it's it's already going by really fast. We're getting into the nitty gritty of some of these first round series. Um, a lot of them have played two games at this point. Obviously, we've got games going on tonight. Miami and Atlanta happening right now. 10 point game going into the fourth quarter. And then we have got Minnesota and Memphis. You said you recorded this one, so I'm just going to avoid it altogether. Yeah. No spoilers. We'll talk about uh, let's, it. But... Let's go ahead and start with this 1v8 matchup, though, with Miami and Atlanta. I don't want to talk about it too much because obviously how game two shakes out here over this this next quarter is going to be a big impact on what we think about the series. But it seems like Miami's got a pretty good grip on things. Atlanta didn't have Collins in the first game. And then um, Capella, or excuse me, they did have him back for the first game, didn't have him for the play-in, but looked like a shell of himself. And then we saw Capella get hurt in the final play-in game as well. He's not out there tonight. Do you think that they've got a shot or is this one just going to be a sweep and we can go ahead and wrap it up here? I don't think they have a shot. I wish it was, I wish it was otherwise, but the way that he came out in game one, they're, they have a commanding lead up 13 at the end of three here. Oh, wow. They got three more in the last 20 seconds then either. Yeah, they're up. Okay. 11 point game. Third quarter is almost over. I think they get it done. The defense was swarming in game one, and the Hawks just don't have enough they can throw at them. It's the Trey show. They they live and die with Trey Young, and I don't know if he can go for 40, 35 a night when he's got all these guys switching onto him, beating him up. It's PJ, it's Jimmy, it's Bam, who got snubbed for Defensive Player of the Year and wants to prove that he belongs in that conversation. So I just don't see it, especially with the Capella injury. I think they're a team this offseason to watch. Do they consolidate a couple guys to go get another star to pair with Trey? Yeah, I think that they're a team that absolutely will be one to watch in the you know the star market. They're going to go get the next unhappy guy or be in the running, I would think, like you were saying with all the assets they've got and how close they seem. Now, I'll push back a little bit. I don't think that this series is over. Even if Miami holds on and wins this game, I think Atlanta could get one or even both of those games at home. And I really do have a gut feeling that we might be talking about this series in a few days going, 
hold on now. Could Atlanta actually steal one from Miami and have a shot here? Because I think people are overreacting after game one. Atlanta's played those play-in games. They are very banged up. Their rotations have changed a lot with Collins in and out, no Capella now. And I really don't think they're going to miss Capella that much. I expected him by game two or three to be played off the court especially with how Miami's going to play Bam as their center, essentially, or their biggest big. They're going to be pretty small. I think Collins is a better matchup with Bam than Capella is. because I, I think Bam Kong-Wu can pull... might be a better matchup than Capella is. On, That's on Bam. true as well. He's That's more versatile, well. at least. Yes, and moral of the story, I don't think they're going to be hurt that bad without Capella. I think he's a regular season guy anyway. We saw what happened in the playoffs with Houston, how he'd get played off the court a lot of Little times and have to go small. A little go bearish for sure. So I do think Atlanta's got a shot, but game two here is going to be huge because if the Hawks can somehow steal this one, they are very much so in this series. Still think they have a shot even if they go down 2-0 though. Yeah, you do make a good point. You have Duncan Robinson coming off the bench going eight of nine from three in game one. Mm-hmm. He's had he's had a very up and down year. As you can tell, he's not in the starting lineup like he was earlier. They got Max Struess in there. So, you know, you get an outlier performance like that and you get short Trey's rest. worst game of the year. Yeah, short rest for the Hawks who had two play-in games, played Friday night and then had to play early on Sunday. You know, maybe it doesn't matter that much. I think it matters a little bit. They're got to be worn out and they're traveling to Miami. Come on now. So I agree. I don't think it's a sweep or anything, but I do think Miami will get it done in at least six. Okay. Let's move on to the 4-5 matchup here. Philly and Toronto. This second game took place yesterday. Another Philly shellacking where they just ran Toronto off the court. Granted, Toronto has been hit with quite a few injuries here. Scotty Barnes, uh, probably the biggest one. Tough to see. Ananobi's been banged up as well. And then they've got... Yeah, they got some other guys that are definitely not playing at 100%. 100%. Thaddeus Young's not at 100%. And they just don't have enough, not at 100%, because my man Tyrese Maxey has made the leap, and he's torching them. I mean, the guy's (laughs) shooting like 80% from the floor average at almost 30 a game on the series so far. They just have too much. Philly does. Just too much. With Embiid and Harden and the threats that they pose and how much attention they require from the defense, guys like Tobias Harris and Maxey are being able to absolutely eat right now, and I like Toronto a lot. I respect Nick Nurse. I respect what they've got, but this series is over. This has been the biggest surprise for me in round one so far. I'm with you. I thought Toronto would be 1-1, maybe even up 2-0 after these first two games, and everyone would be looking at Philly going, uh, James Harden and Daryl Morey, are they on the hot seat here? I mean, even if they went down 2-0 on the road, there's you still have the Thibel thing going to Toronto. That's and- true. And you would just expect this game would be a little bit closer if Scotty Barnes was out there to finish game one and for game two. So yeah, game one was a blowout, though. I don't think there was any keeping that one close. Yeah. Um, and I got to bring up my guy, Austin Henning. He texted me about your maxi comments from last week saying, I believe you said he would put up 27, eight and eight or 28, seven and seven if he was the said- one on the Spurs. Is that yeah, right? I think he put up better numbers than DeJounte Murray and could match SGA's numbers. Yeah. Okay. Well, I I had to give you some pushback on that. And is Henning yes, with me or no? 
Uh, I mean, he he knows Maxie's a guy too, for sure. But he thought it was a little crazy. And I have give to give it say, a few more weeks. Give it a few more weeks, and it won't seem as crazy. He's been outstanding. He doesn't miss. They talk about how much joy he plays with. He lights up the room. Obviously, he's awesome. But when you're the third option and I know, you have you're three guys Harden, coming on to yeah, Embiid yeah, as soon yeah. as he touches the ball because you don't have anyone even close to his size, it's going to open things up for you. So Of course. Of course. It's good but to see. if he were to be the number one option, he would be getting so many more touches <laughs> and so many more shots, and the offense would be ran through him. Yes, like with him beating hard and you get easier looks, but your volume is also way lower. So got to put that out there. Let me reiterate. I'm a huge fan. I'm not rooting against him. It is good to see you get some vindication. And they might have a little bridge once Harden moves on when that time comes. I hope they keep that trio together. It could be this summer. Yeah. We'll see how um, things shake out. But he is not under contract because they didn't get the paperwork mailed in in time at the uh, at the deadline here this season. Do you want something to, to keep an eye on? Would you would you give him the extension? Fuck no. <laughs> well, you I'd sign and trade him to any team that would give me an asset back. I he I'm off Harden man. I, I am so done with him. He is going to expose himself in these playoffs, and the narrative is going to continue. Yeah. I, I don't see it changing. I thought he would be exposing himself a little more than he has. He hasn't had to do a whole lot yet. He's facilitated really well. You can see the IQ. Yeah, but the 5 of 15 stat lines are incredible. I mean, if this guy was doing tour dates, it would be awesome. All right, Jalen. Um, I think Philly gets it done quicker than I expected. No Scotty Barnes. Like he makes it gets one at home, right? Like four one probably. I I like to think so. That's a really rabid fan base, and I think they'll be ready to roll, ready to roll. They played in Tampa last year, so yeah, I bet they get a win. All right, keeping it moving here. Milwaukee and Chicago. This first game really surprised me. I thought once the Bulls got down 12, 13 points, they were struggling to score in the first quarter and really in the first half in general. I thought they'd fold. I thought we'd see Giannis just run him up and down the court. Next thing you know, it's a 35-point game in the fourth quarter, but the exact opposite happened. Chicago fought back. They even took the lead at one point, I believe late in the third or early in the fourth, and I was wondering, like, could they actually do this and make it a series? Now, they ended up losing the game by seven points, but they showed a lot of signs of life. They showed some signs of life. And their big three went 21 for 71. We've seen the stat. Now, I didn't actually get to watch this game. I was driving back from Tulsa to Kansas City. So please explain to me what happened with Giannis coming out of the game with a minute left. What was this about? Is Bud back on his bowl? Yes. Yes, Bud is. And I can't remember if Giannis was in foul trouble, and that's why he did it, but it was an offense-defense thing. And the commentator acknowledged that I can't remember who it was. Or the best two-way player in the league. I know. that That's what I was sitting there thinking. And, of course, they wind up missing the free throws, so you don't get that opportunity to sub him back in. And it was just a weird deal. I would have to rewatch it to remember exactly what happened. But it was a classic Bud playoff moment where it's like, why would you not want the best player in the world on the floor down the stretch? Yeah, Because the game was not over. Yeah. yeah. The game was not over. Okay, so do you think the Bulls have any chance here? 
Did that sway your opinion at all? No, I don't think they have a chance. Now, do they have a chance to win a game? Yes, I think they can possibly get one of the two when they go back to Chicago, but I still think it's going to be Milwaukee in four or five. Yeah, I'm with you, and I was talking to Tom about the Vooch trade, and I think you can... He was awful. He was awful in that game. You can confidently say the Magic swindled the Bulls in that deal because the Magic were going to stay in NBA purgatory, getting first-round exits... Oh, it was a great deal for sure. They got Wendell Carter on a more favorable contract than Vucevic. And to be honest, I think he might be more of a winning player than Vucevic when it's all said and done. And they got the draft pick to turn into Franz Wagner. That was a hell of a deal. That is true. I think if Chicago didn't owe Vooch that much money over that many years, he might be a big that's getting played off the court down the stretch in these playoff series. Yeah. He's not that switchable. He can stretch the floor, but I mean, what was he nine for 27 game one? That's not what you're looking for in a big to stretch the floor in the playoffs. That's just so inefficient. Right. All right. I'm still on the Milwaukee in four or five train here. I'm with you. I'm with you. Next series here, Boston and Brooklyn. Oh, we baby. had the Kyrie show, every media outlet on freaking, well, I every media outlet all over the world has been talking about this, I would assume. I mean, the whole middle finger thing, the $50,000 fine, is it, is it okay? Is it not okay? I don't really care at all about that. But in terms of the matchup on the court, even though Brooklyn lost, I was encouraged by what I saw because that was probably KD's worst game of the year. I think he had oh, five or six on. turnovers. You can't in the- say that about multiple people. Did you watch the game? I was driving for this one too, but That's I know what I thought. Was like it was his worst game of the year. Nine to 23. Come on. He turned the ball over every single time down the court. Probably the first six possessions he touched it. I'm not kidding. He had five or six turnovers in the first quarter and it was abysmal. He was How much of that up- is Boston's defense. A lot of it was. That's what I was going to say, though. If they're allowed to play as physical as they have been in the rest of the games, I'm a little bit worried. But I don't think it's going to be as physical as this first game was because it looked like a mid-90s game where Jordan was just getting the shit beat out of him against the Pistons. That was the vibe that I got. And KD did start to get it going a little bit in the second half, but Kyrie really carried them. And the whole narrative of, oh, well, Kyrie and KD got to play perfect to win any of these games. That was proven wrong. KD played very badly, and they still almost got it done. And Tatum had a really good game. Brown wasn't awesome, but it wasn't like Boston just had this awful showing. It was a great back and forth. I think that KD honestly fell asleep and just lost Tatum on that last play. Otherwise, Brooklyn wins. So I'm encouraged by what I saw from Brooklyn. I think KD bounces back. I think this will go seven games. I still like Brooklyn, though. The finish of that game is the classic coach speak play to the whistle because yeah they all thought it seemed like a long fourteen seconds but yeah absolutely um, I felt it on my couch just sitting there waiting for it to end like where's the buzzer where's the buzzer where's the buzzer so I know it's got to feel longer than that on the court but shit KD's just standing there at the top <laughs> of the key totally asleep and Tatum goes to make a back cut and he has no idea until the ball's going through the hoop. Yeah, I got my hot take off on Friday saying the Celtics would win in six. I just wanted to try to stir up something. It's a common pick. 
I still think they, I still think they win the series. And yes, Katie didn't play well. Kyrie played out of his mind, so maybe that washes out a little bit. Yeah, I agree. The return of Ben Simmons, Robert Williams. I'm still leaning that these guys don't come back for this series. I don't know. More positive positive news about Simmons came out today. Yeah, he's actually cleared for four on four i guess is yeah, what i saw for not contact. sure what that means yeah the, the whole story is totally bizarre i really don't even want to speculate on how this series plays out i just want to enjoy it i agree with you on that i'm excited that it's going to be a good one it's not going to be a sweep either way it's not going to be a five game series it's going the distance most likely so i'm excited to watch that one tomorrow see what we get there Let's move it over to the West. Later tonight, actually tipping off in about 30 minutes, we've got Phoenix and New Orleans game two. The Suns put on a master class in lockdown defense in the first half of that game. I didn't think New Orleans was even going to get to 30 points. I think they got to 32 in the half. But then they come out in the third quarter and put up 34, 35, match their entire first half output, and kind of made it a game for a little bit. And then Chris Paul decided... All right, fellas, it's takeover time. He did his thing. He got cooking in the fourth. We put the foot on the gas. I think we ended up winning by 11, 12 points. Uh, it was it was a solid 11, margin where I wasn't. 99. Thank you. I wasn't really worried about it, but I was a little bit concerned with the Pelican second half showing. I think it's still going to be a sweep. I think we win by a good 15, 16 points tonight, but props to New Orleans. CJ kind of balled out second half, got it going, um, looked like a totally different guy compared to the first half. And I mean, they were doing their thing. So respect the Pelicans, but still think we got a sweep. Yeah, they definitely clawed their way back into that in the third quarter. Credit to Willie Green. You can see why he was worthy of getting that job, getting this team back from like one in yeah, 12 he's to awesome. the year into the playoffs. It's really impressive. And, you know, CJ's brought his professionalism. That's rubbed off on guys. You got Herb Jones and Grand Theft Alvarado bringing that Alvarado, man. every I, night. Hey, can we can we jump to the max segment now? Because I would damn near <laughs> max this guy out. The thing is, he's stealing all these minutes from my guy, Devontae Graham. It's tough. Graham is an afterthought. He is an afterthought. He's barely been playing in big games down the stretch. So you knew it was bad when New Orleans turned to him in the first quarter of last game. I was thinking, damn, Willie Green must really be looking for offense if he's already going to Graham because he's barely even played him the last five to ten. Yeah, I wonder what will happen when Kyra Lewis comes back. But that's a next year conversation. Um, Yeah, the Suns are going to win this. They're insane in clutch time. We saw Chris Paul take over the game. He does this regularly. Um, but credit to David Griffin as well for making that trade. I actually think they, I'm not saying they're going to be a contender next year when Zion comes back. And I think Zion will come back and play there. Anything's possible, man. They got cap space too. They got lots of assets. If he is going to come back, I'll tell you this much a year from now, I don't want to see them in the first round of the West. If Zion's playing. And they crushed the draft, getting two switchable wings in Jones and Trey Murphy. I think they got a very bright future, and I did not expect it. I thought they were one of the bleakest teams in the league. The Zion situation was grossing me out, but things are looking up for them. So credit to New Orleans. 
Absolutely. And I think that CJ trade probably turned the Zion thing around, bringing in a vet that commands that level of respect that's going to go on TNT and call you out for being unprofessional and not reaching out or even having a conversation yet. I think that went a long way. And I think the fact that they started winning games and they got over the hump, they were being competitive, making a push to get in the playoffs. That's all got to be stuff that encouraged Zion to get back with the team, get back on the bench, start working out in-house and stop doing the rehabbing away from the team bullshit where he was just eating food and drinking Mountain Dew all the time. JJ was right. You should be excited to play with a guy like CJ McCollum. Yeah, for sure, man. For sure. Let's keep it moving in the West here. The four or five matchup, Dallas and Utah. How about them Mavericks, man? They wind up getting the win in game two. No Luka. Jalen Brunson goes absolutely nuclear. Maxi Kleba couldn't miss from three. The guy was red hot. And somehow Dallas wound up coming back and getting game two. So do you think the Mavericks have any chance of winning this series if Luka doesn't come back? If Luka doesn't come back, no. And here's why. Why? As good as Jalen Brunson and Maxi Kleber were, I don't think they're going to go 8 of 10 and 6 of 10 from 3, respectively. I just don't see that. Like, yes, Brunson's a very good player. He can get you 20 to 30 a night if he is the one leading the offense. But I'm going to go with Utah and their experience. I've seen Donovan do it in the playoffs before. They're going to go back to Utah and probably win game three pretty handily, depending on if Luka comes back. I don't know. I don't know, man. I think that locker room is such a disaster. And the way that they folded down the stretch in that game, because they were leading, I mean, all the way up until four or five minutes. Yeah, and Donovan played great. I believe he had 40 points or around there, if not more. So it wasn't like that they just played terrible and everything went Dallas's way, 34. Okay, Um, slight exaggeration there. But he had a really good game. And uh, Dallas, yes, Brunson showed out. Yes, Kleber showed out. But... A lot of the other guys didn't have great games. I mean, Dinwiddie had a really bad showing. One of the worst games he's had since he got to Dallas. Granted, he's only played like 25 games there, but he was something like 5 of 18 from the field. Couldn't get anything fallen. He's someone that's really been a catalyst for them. So I think if you can just get decent performances out of Dinwiddie and Brunson, they've got a shot. And I'm not going to bet on Utah here. If anything, I'm going to bet on them folding. So I think this goes at the very least six games. If Luca doesn't come back and if Luca does come back and he's even 60%, I think Dallas could win this in five or six, but I don't see Luca coming back. I think you that calf strain is going to keep him out for the series. Okay. Well, no, no Luca. I think it goes six or seven could go either way. If Luca does come back, I like Dallas in five, if not six. Latest report made me think he's coming back for game four at the latest. I just know how long it took KD to come back from that same injury. And I can't imagine Luca. There's degrees to these calf strains. You know, we got Jimmy G missing three weeks. I'll say this shout out to my guy, Darian Abram, who's finishing PT school. (laughs) As soon as that happened, because I, we were talking about it and I told him, I was like, it didn't look that serious. I think he'll be fine. Should play in the playoffs. And he was like, dude, if it's a calf strain, he will not be playing game one. I guarantee you that those are tough to come back from and they take time. So, uh, we'll see. We'll see. All the right, fact you- that they didn't rule him out immediately for game two is a step in the right direction. He was doubtful, kind of a game time decision. Expect the same thing for game three. 
maybe game five back in Dallas realistic return. But what was making you think game four maybe? Oh, a report I saw saying that he might even come back for game three. Shit, and that was I hope in, so. That was in the last couple hours. But um don't have anything else on this series other than I think it is hilarious that America has united as one in hopes that the Utah Jazz crumble and that team gets blown up. I actually yeah. think that's funny. Everyone's tired of them, man. They're the definition of a decent regular season team that's just a waste of time in the playoffs. They're like the Raptors were six, seven years ago back when they had DeRozan and Lowry, and it's like, sick. You've got the, the two or three seed. Can't wait for you to get swept by LeBron this year. It's like what we thought Boston was until they yeah. turned the corner, honestly. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Okay, next series here, Golden State and Denver. My Golden State's up 2-0 to zero after an insane showing last night. It was a back-and-forth game. Denver had the lead Florida. most of the first half, <laughs> pretty close at halftime. And then next thing you know, Golden State's up 22 points, and their lineup of death, um, the new small ball lineup with – Steph, Clay, Draymond, Jordan Poole, and then Wiggins. It's just as good as their Hamptons five lineup and Whoa. the lineup they threw out back in the day. No, it's just as good, I think. It's just as good. And then the lineup that they threw out back in the day when they had Harrison Barnes, uh, Steph, Clay, Draymond, and then Iguodala as their fifth. I think this lineup's just as good as both of those. And I'm a little bit worried about the Western Conference Finals. So I don't know if you saw this. Twitter implemented a new feature called Communities. KOC, Kevin O'Connor of The Ringer, tweeted, Hey guys, I made a community called 2022 NBA Playoffs. You can join it. And it essentially... It's different from Spaces? It's different from Spaces. It adds a new like menu button on the bottom of your Twitter app. This sounds complicated. Did Elon do this? It's not. No. Okay. It is... It is essentially like a subreddit. You just click in the middle where the community button is and you can click on your communities. Every single tweet in it pertains to the subject and it doesn't like show up on other people's feeds when you tweet in oh, that so community. So I can just go spam in this community and it's not like I'm just blowing up everyone's TL. Yes, ah. but other other members of it can see it on their main TL. Very okay. interesting, but it's cool. I like that. I only bring this up because somebody said, I I think Phoenix is obviously the best team in the West, but does Golden State have a higher ceiling than them? And KOC co-signed it. After watching that game last night, I'm with him. I was I don't know blown if I can away. make an argument against it. Yeah. I have not watched a blowout and had so much fun ever in my life. It was insane. They were down 11 or 12 in the second quarter. Then they go on a 49 to 23 run. It was Steph hitting three buckets in a row. You know, you know the bucket Jordan Poole hit where um, he was cooking, and then it was it was like a step back, step back into the left hand corner for three that just seemed like he like it was, one of those where it was like boogie, no way, no way, stepped, no way. Yeah, he ended boogie on one, stepped back to the right corner. Yeah, so, I had to go for a walk after that. That's when I was like, fuck, this is this is for real. I'm concerned. Yeah, and he was facilitating as well. 
granted every pass he made had to be super flashy he was kind of yeah I mean he was essentially running the second unit even though Steph came off the bench but when no Steph and no Clay were out there it was all through pool and he did just fine yeah it was remarkable I I haven't seen anything like that in a while did you see the numbers on their offensive rating with that five man unit out there and their per 100 possessions all those numbers because it's just stupid like it doesn't even seem real they scored you got to fact check me 79 points in like 19 I think game was, minutes. Yeah. 70 something points in 19 minutes. Yes. I retweeted yeah. that because it blew my mind. Ridiculous. Ridiculous. Uh, they're going to roll in this series. Is this a sweep? It very. Yeah, I think it is. I think it is. Jokic's body language was bad as Perkins pointed out. It was but, terrible. I mean, the guy didn't even want to finish the game. He got tossed. I don't blame him for getting tossed. That was deliberate. He said, yeah. screw this. I'm going to the locker room, man. He is getting hacked a lot, but they're definitely letting him play more in the playoffs this year. Yeah, it's just a really bad matchup for them because they don't have that team speed to cover all these guys on Golden State. It's just not happening. Well, and I thought that Denver would be okay because... I'm thinking, well, sure, if Golden State wants to throw that small lineup at you and play fast, then Denver just runs everything through Jokic. And if they want to put Draymond on him for an extended period of time, Jokic will be able to just back him down and bully him. But that has not been the case, and they've done a really good job denying Jokic the ball. So if he ever is trying to get the rock and isn't bringing it up the court, they're doing such a good job denying him and pushing him out to the three-point line where he's not able to catch it down in the low post or even on the elbow. He's catching it out extended past the three-point line, and then they're just going to double him if he starts trying to go anywhere and Draymond has any trouble. I mean, they're so ready to help and go trap him and I feel for the guy because he's been able to do it all year, but trying to do it in a seven game series against a high IQ team when they're just keying in on you, it's tough. Yeah, Golden State styled in and their best squad hasn't even played together all season. So it this is really valuable for them to get these reps and especially against a you know banged up team. We'll see what it looks like when they actually face some adversity in the next round. Yes, I am mm-hmm. advancing them already. Yeah, me too. Me too. Unless Jamal Murray and Michael Porter Jr. come back and are both like 95%, but that's clearly not happening. So final series here, Memphis versus Minnesota. I don't even want to talk about game two. It's at halftime right now. I'll tell you this. It is a good one. It is not a blowout. So um, you'll treat yourself to that after this podcast. It's up 11. Okay, you're looking at the score. Let's just talk about game one here. Anthony Edwards, people are going crazy, overreacting, making all kinds of comparisons for him. How much stock did you put into this game, and has your pick on who wins this series now flipped? My pick has not flipped, and I did warn everybody, be a little weary of the Grizzlies here. Uh, Yeah, you did, but you also said that you don't think Minnesota could get a game on a lot of these teams. Hey. I didn't think they would. I didn't expect Ant to come out like this. Whenever he's putting up 12 a night, 15 a night, down the stretch of the regular season. He's very inconsistent. I discounted him a little bit, but he he shows up on the big stage. He's done it in the play-in. He did it in game one. You love to see it. He's a joy to watch. But I'm eager to see what Memphis does with Steven Adams, who, let's just say it, He's getting played off the floor in this series. Yeah. He well, got I can an- tell you I can tell you what's going to happen with Steven Adams. He's not going to play anymore. 
He's just not. They're going to throw Triple J out there as their five. It, it just is four. what it is. Um, yeah, it's something that we're seeing once again in these playoffs. I don't think it's to the extent that it's been in past years yet, but bigs are getting played off the court and the small ball lineups are prevailing. Well, D'Lo and Edwards are just going to hunt him in every switch. It's tough. You got to use your personnel to be most effective. Yeah, I know. I don't know how much Cat's going to play either, though. I could see the Timberwolves going small if Memphis does make that adjustment because then you can just hunt Cat, you know, in the Cat same sense Jaren, that you could hunt Steven Adams. You can just I don't go know. hunt Cat. I don't know. I think Cat can play out there. I don't know. He's uh, he's played 14 minutes tonight. He has nine points. He has three fouls, and uh, he's minus eight, plus minus. Nas Reed played nine minutes. He's got 10 points, a few boards. Um, his stat line's already better than Towns in half the minutes. Like I, I just, hot take here, but Nas Reed going to be more important for no. Minnesota than Towns in this series. Stop. I don't know. Stop. I don't know. Yeah. Nas no. Reed is much better defensively and he plays with a lot more effort on that end where if he does get switched onto a guard, he can maybe make it out alive. Whereas cat, it's like automatic two or three points. Just count it now. Yeah, I'm not flipping on this. If anything, I just think it was a little wake-up call for Memphis. Ja posted the MJ video on Instagram. You know he's bringing it tonight six times in the first half. They're going to come back. I'm still picking them in six games here. I agree. I think it's six. I originally said five, changing it to six. Yeah, I'm I'm going to six from five. All right, any other first-round notes here before we get into our next segment? Nah, man, let's do it. Hawks, Hawks only down five with two minutes, so. They came back. That's what I keep, every time you see me looking <laughs> away, that's what I'm looking at. Okay. Now, nah, let's let's move on here. So, we told you we're going to talk about max contracts, right? One of them we alluded to earlier. The other two I want to start with before we really get into it, Jackson, is Jalen Brunson and Jordan Poole. Are either one of these guys max players in your eyes? And if Poole's not, already maxed out, in in my oh, mind, oh, yeah? Poole might as well already have a max extension. Oh hell! Did you watch really? that game last night? <laughs> as soon as he hit that corner three, done, done deal. I, max contract inbound already. I think he is yeah. he is a splash brother. Like his last name's fucking Pool. It's just meant to be. Yeah, um, I would prefer to give him the max over Brunson. I don't, like Brunson's not going to get that. Let's be honest. I think he'll get in, in the we'll low. We'll see 20s. how the rest of the series go low twenties. Maybe, maybe he plays his way into more money with, with this series. Yes. I'll give you that. But pool shooting 92% from the line, 36 from three. Granted that's on high volume and that's only going to get better volume. over the course of his career. I mean, he's not taking easy shots. He's taking right. off the dribble, off movement. He's doing and it all. And that's also with the second unit where he's the focal point for the defense. Whereas when he's going to be starting or playing those crunch time minutes with Steph and Clay, everyone's way more focused on them or at least more so on Steph. And it's going to create much easier open looks for him. Yeah. Okay. So you're like all in. He's a max guy. I'm all in. Would trade multiple first round picks for him. I think he's someone that's a future all-star and Brunson I'm very encouraged by. Yeah, yeah. He'll be an all-star at least three or four times with the Warriors. He'll take that torch right over from Steph and Clay and he'll he'll be the next era of 
Warriors greats. Yeah, I'm I'm already there. He's I'm already there with him. Unbelievably fun to watch. I'm not ready to go there though. I'm ready. I'm ready. All I've right. also watched a lot of West Coast basketball this year. I've seen a lot of Jordan Poole, and I've been very impressed with Brunson. I like him a ton. I love the IQ. I love the grit. I love how he just figures it out no matter what level he's on, what role he's in. But the concern is the athleticism and the size with him. He's going to get picked apart on the defensive end sometimes, and there's really nothing you can do about it. I mean, he's a solid defender for his size, don't get me wrong, but he's not the fastest, he's not the biggest, and he's not that athletic. So there's naturally going to be bigger wings and then bigs that just go at him constantly, and he's going to get targeted in the pick and roll. They're going to try to switch him on to whatever wing or whatever big they want to attack him with, and that's going to kind of be the story of the playoffs for Jalen Brunson moving forward, I have a feeling. So it's going to be a matter of can the offensive output overcome the defensive struggles or targeting that might go on. So I like Brunson a lot, but I think he's a sixth man. And I think you got to pay him like a sixth man. I think he's 20 to 25 mil a year. I don't think he can start on a a lot of money for a sixth man. I think you're paying him like he's Fred Van Vliet. Mm, Like he should be paid like Van Vliet or like what I'm saying would be Van Vliet money. I mean, both honestly, like I think he could be a starter. I mean, he scored 41 in a playoff I mean, game yeah, against the defensive player be. of the year, right? Sure. So, I, think I just don't project him as a starter with Luka. I think he's a sixth man, and I think he'd be a damn good one, and he's probably going to be the third or fourth best player on your team, but it just makes more sense for him to come off the bench if you want to win a ring. All right. We both agree he's great. Let's go on to your guy, Tyrese Maxey. The young... This is a done deal. <laughs> done deal. Yeah. Um... If he keeps this up next season, yeah. I've got a question. Absolutely. Um, I, we, we need to say this. Are the Warriors going to be able to pay Jordan Poole? Yes. Steph Supermax. They got, they they got, got plenty Clay, of money. They got They'll just go deeper into the luxury tax. Joe Lacob does not care. You're right. If it's going to get them a ring, potentially he'll do it. Um, All right, go what back I was going to ask with Maxi. so... Let's assume that the 76ers keep Harden around and they keep this core of Embiid, Maxi, and Harden together. How many years do you think it'll be before Maxi takes over as the number two on the team from Harden? Define number two. Because I could see Maxi. He's the second most more. important and impactful player. I'm talking both sides of the floor. I'm talking considering free throws, three ball, off ball movement, everything overall impact and how much they mean to the team. I could see it being next year, but that doesn't feel right for me to say yet that that would mean I'm giving up on Harden a little bit, which or you think Maxie's going to make another huge leap, both, both, but I'm not ready to say that. I, I would say two years, almost certainly Maxie will be more important to that team. Scoring 23, 24 a night, you know, five, six assists. Guarding the other team's best guard. Harden gets hidden on whoever. Probably not. It's going to be Matisse. Yeah, I guess that's true. Unless I was thinking him more on wings, but he's definitely not going to be Harden guarding the other team's best guard. Yeah. Just looking at his Toronto numbers. First game, 38 points, four rebounds, two assists. 
63% from three, 67% from the floor in 38 minutes. Um, last game in 41 minutes, 73% from the floor, 50% from three, nine rebounds and eight assists and 23 points. He has one turnover combined, um, 10 to one assist to turnover ratio. It's just insane, man. It's insane. Did you see the clip or like the quote about him and his work ethic? No, but whatever you say wouldn't surprise me because I know he's one of those guys that's first one in the gym, last one out. So it was like off a back to back on a road trip. They flew back from Toronto, I think, earlier this year. Where it was really doesn't matter. But they get in. 3.30 3.30 in the morning after a game back in Is this Philly. this when they told him to get out of the gym? They, Yes. Yeah, someone talked to his guy, uh, his uncle, cousin, whoever. His, he's got his guys, right? They right. said, do not let Tyrese go into the gym tonight or tomorrow, whenever. Like, absolutely do not let him. Tyrese gets back. He's like, let's go to the gym immediately. 3.30 in the morning. And he's like, they told me not to let you. And he's like, no, we're going. So it's relentless with him. Doc Rivers said he had to build in blackout days into his schedule just to keep him out of the gym. I mean, that is the sign of signs right there. You got to feel so good about him, having him in your organization. And again, how did he fall to 20, man? He's a classic Kentucky we guy. We were both all over SGA, it. the we hero that needs to go late lottery at the very latest. Yeah. I, think I don't I feel that Maxie way about Ty Ty. And I wish I had him higher. I don't feel that way about Ty Ty, but there's a chance. The difference the difference between Ty Ty and what we saw with Maxi is Maxi's numbers weren't great. But when you watched him, you saw something there where he could take over a game and he was the guy that stepped up in key moments. With Ty Ty, the numbers look great. The um, shooting percentages are good. You know, the assists are solid. But when you watch a Kentucky game, he's not the guy. He's not who that team naturally gravitates toward in big moments. He doesn't have that same it factor. So I think that's the biggest difference. Like the numbers are night and day. They favor Ty Ty. But when you actually watch those games, there's something about Maxie that just sticks with you. I'm with you. Okay. I'm going to run through the rest of my guys and I want you to give me a thumbs up or thumbs down because these are all guys I would max out when the time comes. Um, are, is everyone you're about to say from the same draft class? Cause I kind of broke them out that way. Okay. I've got a variety of guys. All right. Um, give me your rookies first. I have four that I would (laughs) like pretty confidently max out. Caden giddy. I feel best about. Would do it giddy. right now. Yeah, giddy. I'd max him out. I wow. think also Mobley, Mobley naturally is going to be in the conversation. And then Jalen Green and Franz Wagner are also up there, but I don't think I would go that far with Wagner yet. And I want to see a little bit more from Green, but just projecting forward. Yeah, he's going to get a max. Okay, so rookie class locks. Cade for sure. Cade for sure, done deal. I think Jalen Green belongs there. You could convince me of that. I'm on the fence. I think he'll get one, but I wouldn't call him a lock just yet. Yeah, not a lock just yet. Scotty Barnes, I would say is a lock. Oh, totally, I totally forgot about him, but I don't know, man. 
I don't know. I could see him being a guy that just kind of hovers around that like 28.8 assist or 20.8 rebound, eight assist mark for years. Like, I, I don't know if he's going to hit the next level where he becomes an all-star or superstar, but that dude's going to be getting fat paychecks for the next 15 years. That's a guarantee. I just don't know if it'll quite be to the max level. It's lazy. I know. I don't think he needs to have those gaudy scoring numbers to get a max. Draymond Green would be my example here because of his defensive impact as well in the intangible. They'd have to let some guys go. I mean, it's it's years down the road. Toronto can I'm find just, a way. Eh, <laughs> we know that. Gary Trent, Siakam, I mean, OG Ananobi, Van Vliet. That's a lot on. of money on the books. They could move on from Siakam to get a center. They'll They'll figure it out. Yeah, it's years down the line. It's years down the line. Okay, any other rookies that you've got that I didn't say? Um, I think Mobley. I'm like, I feel, one. I feel more confident about Jalen Green than Mobley right now, but I think Mobley eventually will. Um, Giddy and Wagner, I'm on the fence about. I put Giddy a tier above Wagner just because I think the playmaking is there. You're going to look to Giddy in big moments to run your offense, bring it up the court, and I don't know if it's the same with Wagner. I know he could if he absolutely had to probably be that guy in moments, but I think it's much more natural for Giddy, and he's going to be someone that just elevates his game consistently, and he will be the guy running the show so frequently. The jumper, he's going to have to be league average or like just below it to be a max guy there. i think and he's not he's not even close to that right now he'll get there okay um 2020 class i have three locks all right anthony edwards lamello ball and lamello tyrese halliburton that's what i've got and the fourth same exact someone who i think has a chance alexi pokashevsky <laughs> you're trolling <laughs> right yeah, I'm trolling. Oh, thank God. Thank God. I was waiting for some ridiculous argument no. looking at his like last five games. And yeah, Poku, uh, that, that ship's about sailed. But hey, you had a couple good garbage time games there down the stretch. You did. I'm not ready to let go at all. In, in fact, he got me all the way back in on the train down the stretch. All right. All right. Um, I have got four other guys that you haven't mentioned in that, that I want to throw out to you. Um, no, not all in that class. Do you want to continue? You got some more here to hit there. We going 2019, 2020 class. Yeah, we can do that. And I have a feeling some of these names I have written down are in your four. Yeah. Give it to me. So I have got Tyler hero. Oh, I didn't have I think that he's, one. Down. He's right on the edge. I think Did he you know, get paid. He might have actually. He might he might have been extension eligible going into this season. No. Going into next season, extension eligible? Let's uh let, let's do some quick fact checking here. Yeah, he's still on his rookie deal. Eligible uh, this summer. He will probably be getting the max or close to it, I would anticipate. Would you okay. max him out? I don't know if I would. I would try to get as close to that number as I can without doing it. I'm trying to give him Mikhail Bridges money. All right. Well, speaking of Mikhail Bridges money, how about his teammate? They call him his twin, who I think is going to be lined up for a similar payday, but could get close to the max, Cam Johnson. 
Hell no. I thought you were going to say DeAndre Ayton. Hell no on Cam Johnson as maybe the best three-point shooter in the league and one of the best defenders on the Suns team? Cam Johnson, as good as he is, is not a max player. I don't know, man. Good playoff run here, and it could damn near happen. 12 and a half points a game. I mean, you saw Mikhail Bridges get an extension. There's no way Cam's getting more than what he got. There's no way. Probably not. I mean, not with cheap-ass Sarver, but I think on a lot of other teams, they would be having a very serious conversation if his agent sat down and said, we're demanding a max. I think there's some teams that would consider paying him. I would. Uh, You're alone on that one. I would prioritize DeAndre Ayton because I think he's one of the only bigs that can stay on the floor. I agree on that. I think that would be the natural first move, but I don't think it's going to (laughs) happen. Is he is Aiden not on your list here? Well, he should already be maxed out. I think it's it's a given that he deserves one. I'm looking a little bit more younger here. Just making sure. Uh, Who else you got? Jonathan Kaminga. I've seen enough. He is not on mine. I've seen enough. He's going to make a massive leap next year. Obviously, the Warriors cannot max out him and Poole. That's not going to make any sense. But this is a guy, a year from now, everyone's going to be saying, oh, he's a lock for the max. He's a generational talent. He's an absolute freak. He's not ready to be unleashed yet. He's not going to be making the rotations and getting big minutes in the playoffs, it appears. But this guy is close. And there's a reason Steve Kerr gave him as much run as he did throughout the season. This guy is in the long-term plans, and he is going to have a massive role next season. Yes, I think he'll make a jump. I would actually push back. I bet they could be able to pay him. They're going to have him three more years on his rookie deal before an extension would kick in. Uh, And by that time, and Draymond's deals all would be up, wouldn't they? I I can't confirm that, but I'd be willing to bet those guys are looking to take team-friendly deals to finish their career there and go on another run with the pool and Kaminga generation. They're the wise men, the moody man. generation. They're in such a good spot. I mean, you've got pool to kind of take over Steph or Clay's role, maybe a mix of the two. You've got Kaminga who's going to get to learn from Draymond and be that enforcer, the big that can handle the ball and open the court up for others. Plus he can actually shoot it and space the floor and he's more athletic than Draymond. Like they are loaded. He will never loaded. be what Draymond is defensively, at least IQ wise. He's got, IQ wise, probably not. Have. But yes, I understand the projection. I understand the projection here. Not ready to go there. All right, last guy I've got. You're gonna hate this one on Fernie Simons. Let's max him out. I I was looking through the list. I did. He's jot not him there down. yet, but he's close. He's close. Yeah, he's kind of just below that pool range, that Brunson range. Um, last few guys to mention. Jaw obviously is going to get a supermax. Yeah, it's a done deal. Miles Bridges, I think probably will get one. I'm not sure I would want to give it to him. Dude, it's funny. I remember going into the season, I heard Verno talking about him. Or he's either KOC or Verno, and they were saying that his agents think he's worthy of a max and he's willing to walk from Charlotte and go take whatever the biggest deal that he gets is. And I believe he's a restricted free agent. So they were saying that if he were to get a max or somewhere close to it, Charlotte, Charlotte probably doesn't match it. They let him walk and he was prepared to do that. How about a bet on yourself? Yeah. Secure the bag season, man. I mean, he went from a guy that could have only got 
15, 16, 17 mil a year, maybe if he doesn't have a good season to being in that max worthy conversation or more. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's going to be right around 30 now. I was going to say it reminds me a little of the John Collins situation, but Bridges definitely capitalized on this season much, much better. Yeah. Who else do you have? Um, the only other name. Oh, I had Garland, but I think he might have gotten paid already. And Desmond Bain was a name I wanted to throw at you. Ooh, that's a good one I missed. We're maxing him out. He's maxed the heck out. (laughs) I'm so far into the luxury tax if I'm an owner. I'm I'm writing blank checks, maxing guys out. But that's the way that the league's trending. If you've got a young star that you think could be a generational talent, max him out. And if it starts not to work, just go trade him. Yeah, yeah. And they want to keep him around for that culture. That's for sure. I could see right, yeah. any he's, other guys he's 21, 22 a night next year. Oh yeah. He's not going anywhere. He's more than 21, 22 a night. He was at like 18 a night this year. Yeah. I think he could be 23 or 24, maybe even 25 a night. Six next assists, season. good defense. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's talk some NFL draft here. I know you've been itching to talk some football. I have not followed the draft quite as closely as you have. I don't know. I was telling you this. I don't know if it's because it's a weaker QB class or it's just like the heat of NBA playoffs. And I'm so excited with that, that I I just haven't found the the time and energy to focus on football here. But I want to know a little bit more about this class because I've I've checked some mocks, done a little reading, but I'm, I'm not as, as deep into it as you are. So Malik Willis is a name I keep hearing. He seems like he's the quarterback of the class, at least the guy with all the potential. He's getting the Mahomes comparisons and, oh, this raw athlete, strong arm, Josh Allen this, Mahomes that. That stuff's already starting. So how high will Malik Willis go, and will he be the number one quarterback? All right. I'm not going to pretend to be an expert on this, but I do feel like I have a pretty solid foundation of what to expect Mm-hmm. what the consensus is on a lot of these guys. And yes, Malik Willis is the toolsiest quarterback of the bunch. You mentioned toolsiest. Yes, okay. the toolsiest, the rocket arm like Allen and Mahomes, the mobility like Lamar Jackson or Josh Allen, right. right? He has the tools, but he is raw. We know his story. He transferred from Auburn to Liberty, lit it up there two years ago, maybe regressed a little bit this past season. But Mm -hmm. people still like him. I'm not so sure he's going to be the number one quarterback, though. Who's jumping him? Pickett? I think Pickett, who has the most reps, people feel the most confident about stepping in, playing at a high floor level, might be the first quarterback taken here. And the team I would look at to get this all started. Who's doing it? Carolina? Carolina at six has to be the first team that would consider taking a quarterback. And to be honest with you, I think we might not see a quarterback taken until 16, 15, maybe. Someone gets excited, though, right? And either moves up or pulls the trigger top 10, surely? Maybe we see a team trade up, and we see a run on quarterbacks after that. That would be a scenario where these guys go before 20. If that doesn't happen, I'm looking at New Orleans at 16 and 19. Do they they go quarterback? Yeah, so they now have two first-round picks. They traded with the Eagles. 
who also has two first round picks still. But I'm sure. looking at New Orleans. I think they're going to ride with Jameis. That's what my gut says. But there's definitely a possibility they get one of these guys, groom them for one year, roll with them next season, and still have they another QB than wide receiver. That would be a, a nice little reset for the future on offense. Yeah, absolutely. But the most likely scenario for Willis for me is Pittsburgh at 20. All reports have said that Mike Tomlin loves the kid. I think this makes sense. They want to move away from the slow aging quarterback and get a young gun who really yep. has a lot of yep. those traits we talked about. I think that's the place for Willis. Well, this is what Steelers fans are hoping for because I'm, I'm, in and out of a lot of interviews, you know, it's all sports related. So I'm naturally, Hey, who are you a fan of? You know, what do you enjoy watching? A lot of Steelers fans I've talked to and all of them are dead set on Malik Willis. That's who they want. I've tried to tell them like, it's, listen, Mitch, Mitch will not be bad. Like Mitch will be solid. You're not going to see the Mitch that you saw the last year or two in Chicago. He's going to be an immediate upgrade over what Ben was this last year. He still got that mobility. He could make it work, but no, I mean, they're, they're set on Malik Willis. Yeah, it's a very poorly kept secret that they want him. And even if they do draft him, I think Mitchell Trubisky is the guy next season. Maybe Willis gets in in the second half of the year. Yeah, it's Mitch's job to lose. If they're above 500, he's going to keep that spot. And I just don't see them not being solid with the infrastructure they have in place and the defense they've got. Let's switch it up a little bit and talk wide receivers here. Who is going to be the first wide receiver off the board? Garrett Wilson or Drake London, because those are the two names that I'm consistently seeing going as high as number six to the Jets. Um, I believe that's the Jets. Are, have are they 10. not at six? The Jets, Jets have four and they have 10. Ooh, it was four that I was seeing a receiver at then. I think Mel Kuyper had um, had London at four in one of his most recent mocks. So here's what I think is going to happen. The Falcons have the eighth pick. The Jets have the 10th pick. At the very latest, a receiver is coming off the board at 10. It's going to be Wilson or London. And the two okay. guys with an outside chance are Jamison Williams and Chris Olave. Jamison Williams has been all over the board throughout the draft process. But I mean, the, if he wasn't injured, he probably would be the first receiver, right? He would have a chance for sure. But the longer this has gone on, it seems like more and more teams have talked themselves into him. Everyone thinks the Chiefs are a team who might trade up one of their first ah, and one of their second okay. or thirds to go get Williams somewhere. Well, you answered that question before I asked it because I was going to ask you next. What are the Chiefs going to do in round one and what receiver <laughs> do they like? Yeah, we'll see. Um, but I would definitely lean Garrett Wilson or Drake London to Atlanta, especially with that Calvin Ridley situation. They desperately need someone to throw the ball to. Wilson profiles similar similarly to they also, Ridley. They need someone to throw the ball, right? Am I wrong? Oh, I guess Mariota will start this year. No chance they go QB there at eight? There's a chance. There's a chance. Okay. Okay. Continue. Sorry. I wouldn't like that. I'd rather trade back, though. I agree. Um, and then the Jets. Yeah, they 100% are going to get a receiver. And one big piece in all of this. You have these extension eligible receivers, DK Metcalf, Debo Samuel, AJ Brown, and Terry McLaurin. One or two of these guys could potentially get dealt 
prior to the draft, and that could change this up entirely. What if the Jets traded for a proven guy here? Go get someone who you're confident in Zach Wilson throwing the ball to next season. There's That's a very real scenario. Is this going to be a trend that we start to see a lot more of? The big-name wide receivers that want the huge money at the end of their rookie deal? Teams just saying, hey, we'll go take a couple first-round picks for you and just go reset with another young guy in a rookie deal. It's something to watch. Um, and the way I was viewing it is if you are one of these teams with a quarterback on a rookie deal still, Maybe you go trade for the proven talent as opposed to drafting someone. I like that. So you just make sure you don't get the the QB and the wide receiver both getting those huge extensions around the same time. You Stagger have one or the it other. a little bit. Just make sure one's on a rookie deal. I could see that. That makes yeah. sense. So I think the Jets are a perfect candidate here. You have Elijah Moore, Uzama. You bring in one of these stud guys like DK Metcalf potentially or, or Debo, you know, Shanahan would he Zach trade? Stock would Shanahan trade Debo to Robert Salah, his friend? Maybe he would. And I was going to yeah. say, I don't know Shanahan personally. Obviously, <laughs> doesn't he seem like someone who would say, "I can win without this guy. I don't need to pay Debo Samuel twenty four million dollars. I can still get it done." Yeah, something to, something to watch there. Okay, last question that I've got for you about the draft here. What all wide receivers can we expect to go round one here? Obviously, we've got Wilson, we've got London, we've got Olave, we've got Jamison Williams. Are there any others after those four that could be sneaking into round one? Yes, absolutely. I think there's a chance we see seven guys go in the first round. Okay, who are the other three? The other three are Traylon Burks out of Arkansas, Hey, Jerry Jones, does he have any affiliation with that school or anything? I don't care to hear that name did, for did a few Dallas trade Amari Cooper? I'm enjoying the Jerry vacation. Let's not talk about <laughs> Jerry Jones. I'm in a good mood. Let's not get my blood pressure up. That's one to watch. Jahan Dotson out of Penn State. I've heard that name a lot. Yeah, he's very fast. He's like 5'11", plays strong. Honestly, I don't know how anyone compares these receivers. I think it's all about which flavor do you want? Do you want a speed guy? Do you want a bigger guy like London? Do you want Jameson Williams, who's got size and speed? It is really up to you. Um, and then the last guy, or last two, Christian Watson out of North Dakota State and Sky Moore out of Western Michigan. People are saying Sky Moore looks like I've heard Antonio that name Brown. a lot. Sky Moore. I've heard that name a lot. They say he Not plays a like a first rounder, but just like a hey, look out for this guy. Is he a big uh, DJ and Bucky guy? Are they talking about him a lot? They do like him. Yes, that's probably where I heard his name. <laughs> probably, um, but I'm excited about him. I just like everything that I've heard about him, and I would be stunned if the Chiefs didn't take a receiver at 29 or 30 but they do have a couple second round picks as well, I believe. So that's a name to watch in the second round for them. All right. Any other thoughts on the draft before we bring it home here? Um, You had another thing I thought you wanted to talk about, which QB outside Willis is getting the most buzz. Oh yeah. You already answered that with Pickett. I no, thought. actually Desmond Ritter has been getting a lot of buzz. And the only reason I want to talk about this... I did see a little bit on him. Colts working him out, some other teams. So, 
everyone says he's a pro's pro. He carries himself really well. Yada, yada, yada. Yeah, I get that. The last couple seasons, the pre-draft process was thrown all out of whack because of COVID. You're not getting as much face time with decision makers. That's a good point. That's not the case this year. Desmond Ritter can go around, visit with all these teams, interview, and he is a long-term player. Most wins in AAC history, right? Most in program yeah, but do history. Do you really think he's got the arm talent to succeed in the league? Do I? No, and that's why I bring this up. <laughs> I'm not sold on him as a player. I'm not either, man. I didn't, I'm not either. I didn't watch every Cincinnati game or grind the tape. Yes. I watched a lot. I watched a lot, and I really wasn't impressed. A lot of very slow first halves against mediocre teams where they don't do anything as a whole, and they got to go, oh, we're the better team. I guess we need to score some points here and make sure that we win. And then also in those big games, like the TU game, I'm like, what am I watching? That's what I'm saying. There was a lot of that BS throughout the year. And then also in the big game against what? Bama. Georgia blow or the Bama blowout. Um, same thing. Bama blowout, Georgia blowout. What's the difference? He didn't look good at all. Either. He didn't look like he was galvanizing the team on the sidelines. He didn't really look like a leader. He didn't look like someone okay. that that's, everyone turned That's a little to. mean, maybe. I, I didn't see him rallying the troops, man. I didn't see him doing it like I expected and like everyone's talking about with him being the definition of what you want intangibly in a QB and all that. I just didn't see it. He was getting his balls batted down. He wasn't. Sure, it was a tough game and it was an uphill battle and Georgia, Bama, whoever the fuck it was, had more talent. But <laughs> yes, all I can remember is being... in the trenches. It's going to impact his comfortability in the pocket. Yes. He looked like he accepted the loss in the first quarter. I mean, it didn't look like there was any rah rah, this isn't over, let's get it going. I just, I don't know, man. I wasn't impressed with him throughout the year. I think he'll probably have a good floor, you know. Maybe he's solid backup. Who's he's a chase Daniel at least. Oh, I was going to say like in a best case scenario, he's like Dak or Kirk cousins, which I, I was going to say, doesn't best give me case too scenario. excited. Wow. Can you say that again about Dak? Um, <laughs> you, you can win. Did you, just compare, did you just compare Dak and Kirk cousins? Can I clip that and keep it on record here? Um, I was going to say best case scenario. I see Marcus Mariota. No, I mean, you're not taking a guy late first thinking he's Marcus Mariota. Come on. Now. Well, I wouldn't I wouldn't take him late first, but well, we'll see what happens with him. That is a name to watch because I guess he's just been the man throughout the process here. So Ritter, Willis and Pickett, those are the three names to really watch here on the QB market in round one. Matt Corral as well. I, he's a wild card like I haven't heard hardly anything about him in weeks, which makes me think that can't be good. Yeah. Um, they say he's got some issues with accuracy, consistency there. Um, you know, in that Lane Kiffin offense, it's probably going to take some time for him to get adjusted to the league. But no scenario with these quarterbacks would surprise me. I, I mean, a few could go in the top 10. None of them could get picked till the 20s. And I'd be like, okay, that's just what's going to happen this year. It is a very strange year for quarterbacks. We saw this Saints-Eagles trade. All the speculation there is that the Eagles made this trade to get another first-round pick next year to have as ammo right, to go after their QB. for right. a better quarterback class. So that is all you need to know about this group. All right, last question I've got for you, then i got to get out of here. What's going to happen with Baker? 
Is he getting dealt draft night, or is the dude just going to be stuck on the bench and they're just going to keep him around in case Deshaun gets suspended, and then if he doesn't, just get rid of him? I'm glad you brought this up because I have wanted to talk about it. He has every right to feel disrespected after playing through that injury, carrying that team to the playoffs I, I agree. a couple years ago. At this ago. point, he's, he's got a valid valid complaint. Yeah, I mean, you've done everything you can for that franchise, and they say, oh, we got a chance to upgrade. We're going to do it. Was that the right football decision? Probably. We yeah. just saw it work with Matt Stafford. So, I mean, I get it, but that would suck. And if something happens, if Watson gets suspended and they ask Baker to be the guy this next year. Well, why else I are refuse. they holding on to him? I you know refuse. what I mean? It's not like you're going to get any better trade offers at this point unless you just hold on to him on the bench till someone else has a QB that gets hurt and they're just desperate for someone week yeah. four or five. That's it's a very rough spot for him. And people are talking about him like he's a toxic asset, like an NBA contract where you got to attach picks to. I don't see that. I still think there's... He's just got one year left, but it's a big number. Yeah, but I still think there's good football ahead of him, and he has got the short end of the stick here. Wishing him the best going forward. Have no idea what to expect. Um, ben McAdoo said the Panthers are going to start Sam Darnold and then bit his tongue after. Uh, so well, we're going to see what what's going to happen, and I hope it works out for Baker. Do the Colts have a QB? Matt Ryan. That's right. So they don't have a QB. On that uh, podcast, he said the Colts seemed like the team that he would end up at. But that's changed, obviously, with the Matt Ryan right. trade. That, just, that blows my mind. I would have rather had Baker than Matt Ryan. I agree. I think it, that, that way, at least, you know you're not going to win a Super Bowl this year. If things go well, you at least have the option of keeping him around. You're not going to want to keep Matt Ryan around for years to come. Um, Sean Payton with the Saints, maybe him and yeah. Baker get along. That seems like a possible Sean Payton fit. Sean Payton retired. But, <laughs> dude, this, yeah. I, that. Yeah, all right, I'm done. I'm done. I'm clearly <laughs> not, not locked in on the NFL right now. Holy shit, Sean Payton retired. Yeah, man. And Matt Ryan's starting quarterback for the Colts. I uh, I need a, like a off season uh, recap booklet here. A cheat sheet. Yeah, man. Because I uh, knew all this stuff happened, but forgot it all happened. Yeah. All right. It was well, like a lifetime ago. We will be back with a lot more NFL next week. I'm pumped for the draft next year. It's gonna. I'll be... do some more prep. I'll do some more prep before <laughs> we'll we talk good. NFL. We'll talk some risers and fallers, some trends you might see in the first round. It's a deep DN class, some good offensive linemen, some good corners. We'll talk about more next week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Give us that five-star rating. Tell a friend, and we will talk to you then. Peace.